We've got a fantasy baseball Thursday on the Just Baseball show and a lot to talk about as Peter Apple and Colby Olsen get ready to drop their fantasy baseball rankings over at JustBaseball.com, as well as dropping Not Gambling Advice, the podcast, which this is going to be a little sneak peek into what that's going to look like, too. So, boys, we're about to chop up some fantasy baseball here. I'm fired up personally. And Colby and I just recorded our Super Bowl preview, which will be episode one of Not Gambling Advice. We're just covering football to begin, but it's going to be a lot of fantasy baseball content. It's going to be a lot of gambling in the middle of the season. So you'll see a lead up, a lot of fantasy baseball. Then during the season, a lot of gambling slash fantasy baseball content to help you win your league. The Super Bowl preview is pretty fun, right, Colby? We had such a blast, man. I came out of that just with a big ass smile on my face. We got mad props over. I there. was gonna say, what kind of stu- What's the dumbest prop you guys mentioned on that episode? Um, oh. I talked about the bored ape yacht club character making an appearance at the halftime show. That's minus two fifty. So they That's think minus two. Oh, okay, so I'm minus two fifty to be annoyed. Yeah. All right. What yeah. else? <laughs> no, Colby. Tell them. Tell them the jersey number one because I think that's kind of a lock. That one's awesome. So uh, it's player to score the first touchdown with a Jersey number under 23 and a half. So you have Cooper cup, Odell, um, you have cam acres and you have Jamar chase in that. What were the odds on minus that? 140? Whoa, not too bad. Right. All right. What above? about this? How about a Kevin Huber Huber over longest punt 52 and a half yards. He's reached that. I don't have my notes in front of me because we just did on the Super Bowl preview, but he's hit that in like 13 of 20 games. He averages like 54.7 yards in a dome and, you know, splits God. He's also averaging like five more yards of punt on the road versus at home. No, uh, 52 betting. and a half yards longest punt, but we went over the spread. We went over the total. We gave out Cooper cup props, a ton uh, Gatorade cool. national anthem coin flip, all that kind of stuff. We're just throwing out kind of the random NFL props that we got right betting, now. Betting, betting makes you t- pay attention to the dumbest shit. That's why yeah. longest prop punt prop is awesome because there's no, Oh, I Oh, they're punting. I'm gonna get up and go to the bathroom. I'm gonna get a beer. I'm gonna check my phone. No, no, no. You're locked into every punt. I, I agree. I love betting on the boring stuff yeah. and making the mundane fun. And in this fantasy episode too, like we have a lot of, a lot of debates to kind of shake down. And I don't know which side of the aisle. Some of you got each of you are on, which is going to be fun because I mean, th- these are some of the, sticking points, I guess, or some of the things that you guys had to talk about as you've continued to flesh out the rankings. Each of the topics that we're going to go through here in this episode were things that you guys had to take a step back and say, hold on, let, let's see where we line up on this and, and have your you know rankings debate here. It, it, as simple as who should go 1-1. And remember, there's something that's really important here is that this is not necessarily saying who is the better baseball player, right? Just because you're taking someone earlier in fantasy, 
does not mean that he is better at baseball, but we're talking about it from a fantasy lens, which is why Raul Mondesi will always be mentioned at all times. Whereas when we talk about baseball in general, he doesn't get mentioned. I think Raul Mondesi's 98% of the time, Peter or Colby, I'm curious what you guys both think about this. I think 98% of the time he's mentioned it's because of fantasy. Absolutely. And and, and Colby could probably speak to this um, as well, too. It's just because of the stolen bases. Stolen Mm -hmm. bases are so premier in fantasy baseball. Like Colby, just just go over the scoring so people have a good idea of how we're kind of rating. So Mondesi reminds me of like Billy Hamilton. Like Billy Hamilton was fantasy relevant for years and did nothing but stole, you know, 60 bags. But so the scoring is five by five, meaning that it's five offensive categories runs, RBIs, average home runs and stolen bases on the pitching side of things. You have ERA strikeouts, uh, whip, you have wins and you have saves. So those are the five there. Wins, wins, wins matter. You got to win the game. Don't you Julio Arias, best pitcher in baseball, only 20 game winner wins. I I was listening to all the stats. He just routed. And I'm like, man, fantasy baseball a lot of these analytics kids must hate it colby why do you like fantasy (laughs) so so yeah i mean there's so many different types right so then there's leagues that have quality starts and even quality starts are just kind of a mess but um the, the interesting strategy is like from a guy like me is i don't even look at wins like literally i'm just focused on era strikeouts and whip because you know honestly those things are going to be more indicative of wins anyway and wins are random at the end of the day right like okay you're not going to just draft all Dodgers or Yankees or Red Sox pitchers because their team wins more. Like that's not going to go. You're not going to draft Nick Pavetta over somebody because of that. Right. Yeah. It, it's a good tiebreaker. It's a good tiebreaker. Nick tie Pavetta breaker. is nasty though. Yeah. You might draft Nick Pavetta. <laughs> well, let's talk about who you're going to draft number one. Uh, and that's, that's a big question, right? I mean, you, you could go a few different directions and, and there's a really unique, I think, argument to be made here with number one is because you're not going to go wrong in terms of each of these players. There's no question that they're going to rake, but it's almost, you know, will they survive, you know, the ups and downs of a season? How, what's the injury risk? And that's another thing. That's a slippery slope as we always talk about, but if there's a player that's more durable, historically, you might lean that way. Like we'll start with Colby on this one. What are you valuing here? How much of it is upside recent performance, or if it's all kind of a wash in that regard, are you looking at guys that you think can stay healthy? Are you looking at the lineup around him? Cause I know we're going to get into that with Soto. Like what are, what are the things that we're prioritizing in a one, one? And I want to see what the two different methodologies are between you two on that one, or if they're the same. So to me here, there's, there's two clear options. Um, and then there's a, a few options after that. You could make a case if you're super high. Um, but to me right now it's Trey Turner and you're picking between him and Fernando Tatis. Right. And so Trey Turner is the, quote unquote safer option. I don't necessarily think that because, you know, Trey Turner does it all. He hits, he could hit 30 home runs. He's going to hit over 300. He could hit as high as 330. Um, and probably he's going to steal 30 ish bags. Um, he might not run as much on the Dodgers as he did with the nationals. I'm not really sure about that. Um, but he could also, you know, be a hundred, 110 run guy. Um, he might struggle to put up, you know, a hundred RBIs, but he is the clear, clear one, one right now, because Tatis who could hit 50 home runs could have 40 stolen bases and do all the things that Trey Turner does and more, but he has that injury risk with that shoulder that, you know, keeps coming undone. 
Um, and you really worry about that because in fantasy, okay, great. If he's better than Trey Turner for 400 plate appearances, but that's not as valuable as being just a little bit less valuable than Tati's for 600 plate appearances with your first round pick. And you can't miss on your first round pick. You can't have your first round pick be gone for the season after two months or whatever it may be. So for me, I'm taking Trey Turner with my first overall pick. And I might even take consider taking a guy like Jose Ramirez over a Fernando Tatis because it's just such a safer option at still a position of, of high value, right? Taking outfielder one, one eh, kind of tough. I agree with the outfielder about taking them one, one, just because there are so many good outfielders and you really need a position of need. And I think that's shortstop. So I think between me, it's between Trey Turner and Fernando Tatis jr. Personally, I'm going Fernando Tatis Jr., number one overall in my fantasy baseball draft. And here's why. He, he's he got 42 home runs at 130 games last year. If he can play 150 games, and with the shoulder thing, I know that's the problem, but he's a young guy. I think he, with a full offseason rehab, where all reports are pointing to that he's healthy for the 2021 season, if I have a healthy top tease who checks the bags in terms of stealing bags, in terms of hitting home runs, RBIs, average, he does it all. And what I think he could be is 50 home runs and 30 stolen bases. That's the highest ceiling that there is out of any of these players, maybe outside of Ronald Acuna Jr., who I wouldn't take an outfielder first overall, who's also coming off a knee injury of his own. I think this is going to be the Fernando Tatis Jr. MVP year. So that's why I'd pick him number one overall, even though there's the risk of injury. And I agree with Colby. Maybe Jose Ramirez is that safe bet, but there's nobody better than Fernando Tatis, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's so tough with Tatis, right? If, so if you look at Zips projections, which are uh, Fangraphs projections done by Dan Zimbrowski, super smart guy. Um, I could never do something like this. This is really cool stuff. Fernando Tatis is clearly the best fantasy player out there value-wise when on the field, but he's only projected even on Zips for 130 games and 550 plate appearances, right? And that's factoring in injury risk. If you go to Trey Turner, he's projected for, you know, 143 games and 650 plate appearances. So it's like, is that 13 game projection difference worth it? That's up to you. Um, but I think Peter makes a great point that if you believe Fernando Tatis is going to be healthy for 162, he's your man at one one. And you can't go wrong. I mean, and the only thing though is, is, you know, you see Tatis do what, Peter said, I mean, if he goes 50-30, which would be absolutely absurd, it's it's feasible, right? It's not I out of the realm of possibilities. Not he at all. 42 home runs and 25 stolen bases in 130 games. Not at all. And honestly, like the only concern I have is just how much is he going to run after the shoulder issue? True. That's the only question. But I love the upside on Tatis. And I think either way, whoever you go with, it kind of sets the tone for your draft. If I go Tatis 1, like Peter, your next pick's probably going to be a safer one, right? Like absolutely. So that's where the second round pick, you're maybe going maybe a little less upside, but you go with like a safer option. Whereas Colby, maybe you could roll the dice a little bit more with that second pick. So I, I think it's it's important too, right? Like if you guys are approaching the draft, how much does that first pick set the tone for your next picks, Peter? Oh, oh, it, it's it's in fantasy football. It's in everything like just in fantasy football terms. If you draft like a risky running back, you want to get a solid wide receiver as your second pick. Same thing here. Think of Tatis 
as no, I don't even want to think of him as Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey has been far more injury prone yeah, than way, Fernando way, Tatis way. Jr. has. But think about but Fernando Tatis stands. Jr. as the CMC, but with less injury risk. And that the instead of a solid wide receiver, give me one of a really solid pitcher that I know is going to lead my rotation. Absolutely. And w- what do you think, Colby? If, if you're going with with Trey in the first, are you like rolling the dice a little bit more with the next guy? Or are you just going best player available? No, I think you're going best player available. And I really think that the first four to five rounds in a fantasy baseball draft need to be guys that you believe are one, not going to get injured, but let's be real. We're not injury analysts. And like at the end of the day, predicting injuries is an impossible task to begin with. Um, But those first four to five picks really need to be guys that you're confident are going to be not just difference makers, but solid guys that are not going to flunk out. Like, Taking a Byron Buxton or somebody like that very early can be very, very risky, even if the upside is tremendous, right? Because the downside is zero. Zero. Yeah, it's, it's literally zero. Uh, and that that's the crazy part. But we get to the outfield. And, and you guys mentioned it earlier. The outfield is is absolutely loaded in Major League Baseball and fantasy is no exception. But the specific names, the guys at the top that I think you could go and make the case anyway with each of these players. And again, this is not to say who is the better player out of this group. It's who is the best fantasy player. You guys listed Kyle Tucker, who I I know we're all looking to be an MVP candidate potentially this coming year. Uh, Mike Trout, who is a perennial MVP candidate when he's healthy, missed the most time he has of his career this past year. Ronald Acuna, torn ACL, but coming back. Aaron Judge. Finally healthy, put together a strong season and was really, really good. And then Bryce Harper put together his best season since his 2015 MVP year and made some major tangible adjustments you know, at the plate that I think you can see a more complete hitter there as well. Uh, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong, but there's going to be one pick that's better than the rest. And yeah. which one do you think that is, Colby? Well, I think you need to put in uh, Mookie Betts and Luis Robert in there as well. I think those two are, are definitely in that category. But that second round, is packed with, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. Seven or eight outfielders that really have differences, right? You said trout, you said um, there's some other guys that have injury risk, right? But then you have the Kyle Tucker of the world who I think is, might be the pick after Harper for me. He's ahead of trout. He's ahead of Mookie for me. Um, He is going to steal 20 bags at least. Maybe I would say, yeah, he's going to steal 20 bags. He's going to hit over 300. He's going to hit 30 to 35 home runs. And that Astros lineup is going to be still pretty loaded. But remember last season, Kyle Tucker was hitting sixth or seventh in that order. That's not going to be so this year, right? Correa is most likely going to be gone. Kyle Tucker is going to be hitting in that three, four, and five hole, probably the three to four hole mostly. And he's going to be, you know, he could realistically hit 120 RBIs. Which is which is crazy, but it's true, it's true, and I, and I think that that moving up in the lineup is is huge. Peter, who are you really looking at out of that out of that litany of just loaded outfielders over there that you either think is going to repeat what they did last year or just take that game to the next level and separate from the pack? It's so tough because Mike Trout is Colby. He's our sixth ranked outfielder, or what do we have? And we have uh, what's just our top five outfielders. Uh, let's pull it up here. Okay. Top. Let me, uh, okay. It's 
Well, Tatis, but like he's sort of an outfielder. He's he's ranked. He qualifies there. an outfield. That's uh, another reason okay. why I love so Tatis. Have, it's Tatis, Soto, Harper, Acuna, Trout, Tucker, Betts, Robert, right? And I think we are kind of like teeter tottering on these. I think that the these can be so close that it's up to your own judgment. I think we these rankings are really really good, but like I might have Tucker over Trout. Trout, you might have Trout over Tucker, and like that's okay. And yeah, that was the debate that Colby and I didn't have. It was like Kyle Tucker versus Mike Trout versus Bryce Harper. And so I had it personally ranked Bryce Harper. So I had Tatis, Soto, Acuna, Harper, Trout, Tucker, Mookie. So I have Trout slightly above. And you can kind of see the way I rank players is that I'm not as risk averse, I guess, when it comes to injuries, like it's hard to predict them. We know that Mike Trout has had injury troubles in the past, but is this finally the season that he puts together a full 162? Um, All reports are looking to that. He's going to be healthy for opening day. I just think Mike Trout could be the number one overall player in fantasy baseball still. So with that upside, I do think Kyle Tucker makes a jump, um, but like I would personally pick Mike Trout over Kyle Tucker, even though Tucker is probably the safer bet. But I still think if I get a at least 140 games out of Mike Trout, that will be better than 155 games out of Kyle Tucker. And so my reason for putting Tucker over Trout is not what Mike Trout can do with the bat, because obviously we know that Mike Trout is is still the best hitter in the world. Maybe you can make an argument that, that Juan Soto is, um, but I'm not ready to do that just yet until we see Trout come back healthy. The the separator here is stolen bases, right? Yeah. Cause Trout did not, has not stolen bases in 2020. He didn't steal bases last year before he got hurt. Um, and so realistically we're, we're projecting here for Mike Trout to, you know, he's still going to swipe some bags, but I wouldn't put him past 10 and I probably wouldn't put him past eight bags next year. Right. It's also, I think he makes it up on the power. Like I think Trout could be a 50 home run guy versus Kyle Tucker who might be a 30 home run guy. So maybe you can make it up in other categories. Also, Mike Trout might hit 300 next year, too. He's going to drive in a ton of runs with Anthony Rendon back in that lineup with Shohei Otani. With Jared Walsh has really shown that he's one of the best first basemen in baseball, and he's ranked very highly on our fantasy baseball rankings. You got Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele running the bases. I think Mike Trout could put up 120 to 130 RBIs as well, and I don't see Kyle Tucker um, putting up that kind of stat. That's a great point, Pete. You got to – going back to, like, drafting – like first round, second round, third round, right? If you go Trout in the second round, then that third round, you're probably grabbing a guy like that I, gets more stolen bases. If I go Tatis, then Trout. Oh, that's a crazy If Trout guy. somehow falls that far, good, goodness. Like that, Dude, but that's that. where he's going. He's a, he's a second round guy in a lot of formats, especially I mean, with how loaded the outfield is. So the lowest Trout has gone in a draft so far, and this is from uh, NFC, which is like high stakes fantasy leagues. He's, the lowest he's gone is 29th. What? Yep. See, so here, here's my thing on this real quick. Is like I think when you look at Trout, I think that after last year, we're going to see the, the phase two of his career, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything negative. By phase two, I think it's let's keep this guy healthy. Let's acknowledge that he's mortal. And let's just carry the workload a bit more gently, which we've seen from the giants, like you could still get a ton of production. He could still play 140 games. You give him one off a week. You don't start him in center every day. He doesn't run, you know, like, like he hasn't been over the last few years. You can protect him. I think in a lot of ways, especially now that you have Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele, like Peter alluded to that are dynamic in the outfield. 
Like you don't have to have Trout doing everything all the time. Uh, the other thing I'm really excited about is we didn't really get to see much of the Otani Trout combination. Trout has always been by far the best hitter in his lineup. Pujols never provided the protection that they always that they thought he would. And now you have two of the most prolific power hitters in the game back to back. I'm really excited to see day in and day out how those two help each other in the lineup. And, and to me, I'm betting on Mike Trout any day of the week, how it stacks up with some of these other guys. I think you can make the case for anybody, but for him to fall as much as he's been falling, I think we all agree that he's better than his average draft position right now. Right. I mean, even, even Colby with your slight hesitations, he's better than the ADP right now. Yeah. I think, I think if you're getting him past 20, I mean, you're just like, your eyes must be this big, just like, Oh my God. Um, I think another guy that's like that is Luis Robert, right? He's definitely on the other side of the spectrum. He's like a 24 year old and um, came back healthy at the end of last year and was dominating, uh, stealing bags, hitting for power, hitting for average. He could be a guy at the end of the season that we're ranking in 2023 as a top five pick in my opinion. Luis Robert could be an MVP candidate and most likely will be like, we have him ranked number eight out of all of our outfielders right behind Mookie Betts and right in front of a guys like Cedric Mullins and Aaron judge. That's how good we think Luis Robert can be um, because he just checks all the boxes. When we're talking home runs, we're talking stolen bases. We're talking average. We're talking RBIs. He does it all. And he's elite. He's, he's freaking good. And he cut the K rate down yeah. by about 12% almost last year and he came back off injury and just was swinging it. Like he was good to go. And the walk rate dropped a little bit. I think that might've come from just a little bit of, wow, I'm seeing the ball better. Uh, He wasn't swinging and missing and he was just aggressive, but it was okay because he was putting the ball in play more. He got on base more 157 WRC plus 3.2 F war in 68 games. Like, yes, this guy could legit be an MVP candidate and talk about the upside. If I'm going Trey Turner with the first pick, I'm going, I'm maybe leaning Luis Robert over one or the other, one or two of the other guys we just mentioned, because he can make up for, for some of that upside that, you know, you might've given up by going with Trey instead of, uh, instead of Tatis. Absolutely. That's such a good point. I I think we're going right back around, but you might be able to get someone maybe even better than a Luis Robert because Luis Robert may be a third round guy. So you could possibly grab maybe at the end of the second round, uh, maybe a starting pitcher and grab Luis Robert. Imagine if you got Tatis, Trout, and then Luis Robert. I just, I would, I would leave the draft and then leave the league. But isn't it interesting also because when you draft like me, I draft to kind of win the league or to not finish in the top three. Like I really draft, like I would go Mike Trout or Fernando Tatis Jr., then Mike Trout, because if they are both healthy, you're winning your league. Yeah, you won. won. But if they don't, so you're probably not. You're so swinging do you wanna, for the fences type guy. We're swinging for the fences. That's the kind of fantasy baseball player I am. And you I, know it works more often than not. I love, I love the dynamic because Kobe's like the opposite. Like Kobe's going to be all calculated and building depth <laughs> and like platooning his fantasy guys. And like, that's the perfect dynamic here. That's why I'm really excited for not gambling advice. Cause it's like you get both sides, which either, either approach can work. Like both there's, there's multiple ways to win a championship. And sometimes you can only do one of the approaches or two of the approaches, depending on how the, or one of the two approaches, depending on how the draft shakes out. Um, so I'm really excited to hear you guys with your different philosophies as the show, you know, continues to go. And I know you guys have that first episode, but should be out right by the time people are listening to this, right? Yeah, it should be live. We're going to post it 
Yeah, Thursday or Friday. So you'll you'll either see it today on the podcast or the next day. It's but up most to Apple likely too. it'll be tomorrow. It's up to Apple too when they when they officially push it through. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to third base now because again, uh, it is it is interesting over here. Third base is where I think it really demonstrates the most though how much fantasy doesn't always directly correlate to just like MLB ability because the names that we have here uh, that you know are all up for debate is Nolan Arenado. Anthony Rendon, Chris Bryant, Alex Bregman, and Raul Mondesi. And uh, there's probably a few others that I'm even missing. But at the third base position, where where did you guys feel like you hit your biggest snag, Peter, in terms of uh, where did you feel like, okay, this is tough. I can't separate these guys. Like, Where did it start to get a little blended together? So Colby and I were pretty on par with our top four third basemen. We have Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, and Austin Riley. So after that, it gets into the Aldeberto Mondesi, Anthony Rendon, Nolan Arenado, Bregman, Chris Bryant. And it's tough because Mondesi with the stolen bases, but he doesn't check a ton of other boxes. Anthony Rendon coming off an injury. Are we going to get the same guy? Nolan Arenado had a down year-ish offensively in St. Louis, and he's just getting over. He's also continues to be on the wrong side of 30. How does he continue to progress? Alex Bregman had a really down year last year, but it's still Alex Bregman in 2018, 2019. He was one of the best overall hitters, not just their baseman in baseball but one of the best overall hitters. And then you have Chris Bryant. We don't know where he's going to play, but his offensive stats haven't been great, especially for fantasy. So you go back and forth. Um, Colby, we ranked Mondesi higher than them all, though, didn't we? Yeah, and that's just purely because the guy could steal 50 bags. And fantasy five-by-five categories really puts a premium on stolen bases because there's just not a ton of them to go around. And if you're getting 40 or 50 in one place, that's it's very, very valuable. Um, and even if he's not putting up, you know, 280 batting average and he's not going to hit 25 home runs, you just, you find that somewhere else, right? Because you can find power at first base and outfield and you might not be able to find that, that's those stolen bases there. Especially in a league um, that's running less and less. I think the other the other interesting guy that we didn't mention that I have, you know, kind of right after this list is Justin Turner. Um, Justin Turner is going to be entering his age 36, 37 season. And this is a guy that we should never count out because it seems like he puts up 30 home runs and 100 RBIs and hits 285 every single year. And we go, okay, well, maybe this is the year that he gets hurt and he just never gets hurt. And he just keeps churning out amazing numbers in that stacked Dodgers lineup. Um, So I think he's a very, very valuable play. If you don't land an Arenado, if you don't land an Austin Riley, you know, earlier, he's a guy to get, you know, kind of later. I really struggle with the third base position. Like that might be the the most interesting spot because again, you, you, you laid it all out, Peter, like there's a lot of up and down type cases. Like, what do we think of this guy? What do we think of that guy? A a more fantasy question specific, I guess for, for you, Colby is like Arenado as, as Peter alluded to not going to put up the same numbers that, that he put up in Colorado. No one was expecting that, but we did still see power shine through, right? The average took a hit. The on base took a bit of a hit, but the power is still there. He's still hitting a lot of home runs, still driving in a decent amount of runs. How much does that kind of shift his value? If, if the power is still pretty consistent, but the batting average is kind of going down. The batting average, you can kind of eat 
Um, especially at third base. Cause you know, I don't think really a lot of these guys are hitting above 300, except for Austin Riley hit above 300 last year. You know, Machado is going to be close, but outside of that top four, really, you're not getting anybody that's hitting 300. So yeah, he hit 35 bombs last year and he's going to hit right in that middle of that Cardinals lineup, which is really good with Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. And, and, you know, it's a good lineup. So he can easily get over a hundred um, RBIs. But it was clear that that Arenado was not the same Arenado we saw in Colorado. And that could be, you know, going out of course, whatever it may be. But um, yeah, Arenado is not a guy that I'm going in my fantasy draft, like target. Like he's in that in that space where he's at, like average draft position, I think is is in the you know 70 to 80 range. I think there's a lot of other guys in that range that have a lot more upside. Um, and Arenado is more of a high floor and and he might even have a a year where he regresses in 2022 so yeah he's not a guy i'm targeting necessarily peter on the spot putting you on the spot rank them right now rendon bryant and bregman i rank them rendon bregman bryant um i have rendon a little bit higher than both of them i think i'm really excited about this angels team i think rendon's going to get a ton of rbis um, I still think the power is real. I still think that he could be a guy who's going to hit you 30 home runs. He's always been a guy, especially batting average, that he can be a third baseman that gives you that value there. I would say Rendon definitely over Bregman and Bryant, but I have Bregman ranked ninth and Bryant ranked 10th. I think you could go either way with those two. What do you think, Colby? I think it's Rendon first because the upside yeah, the and upside and it's Rendon it's, was, we can't forget like this guy was an MVP candidate in 2019. This is, this is legit like bounce back candidate here. That could be a league winner for you. Um, after that, I think I'm going to go Bregman just because, you know, in 2017, 2018, he was just so unbelievably good. Um, and you can say that maybe that was trash can involved and he stopped hitting breaking balls bang, the last bang. few seasons. He can't touch breaking balls to save himself. Um, but I think the upside is still there. And I think that, you know, Bregman knows what his shortfalls are and he's going to come into 2022 knowing I need to hit breaking balls and I could see a bounce back here from Bregman and, and Chris Bryant just never really puts up the RBI totals and he doesn't have the 35 home run power anymore that he once did. Um, and he's also not going to play every day. So, yeah. And, and where he's going to land is going to be important, right? If, if he goes to Seattle, that's not a fun place to hit. Uh, we'll see where he ends up, but that makes a big difference too. Where is, where is he going to end up? Cause Brian seems like the type of guy that could be impacted by his environment and, and a, maybe not as dramatically as Castellanos, but Seems like the type of hitter that could be impacted by where he's playing a little bit more than the average guy. And speaking, arm. oh, so just go ahead. before you move on, like environment is such an important part of our rankings too. Like for example, Colby and I have Elias Diaz ranked pretty high in the catcher rankings, the catcher for the Colorado Rockies. Is he actually like a top fifteen, top twenty catcher in baseball? No, clearly. Is this a not. framing league? Yeah, this is not a framing league, but this is a hitting league. And in yeah. Colorado, he has much better opportunity to get extra base hits, to increase the average with the big outfield, the home runs. Like Elias Diaz is a guy who may put up like similar offensive stats to a guy at top 15, top 20, but defensively no. he's not going to do the job. But in fantasy, Colorado, especially like Cincinnati, you know, there's a lot of these ballparks that are really advantageous for hitters. It's a good point. It's almost like Jalen Hurts in fantasy. Like Jalen Hurts is just not a great quarterback. I'm sorry if, if Philadelphia fans aren't thrilled about that. Like, but even when he had bad games, 
he was great fantasy wise because he was going to run. He was going to run in garbage time. He was going to run in the end zone when they're getting blown out. They somehow made the playoffs. But like early on, that's that's what the case was. And like that that's similar to what I think Diaz is like, don't get put off by the name. If the environment fosters some production, you can get a little steal there and have a guy with with uh, that will outperform his draft position because of that environment. You brought catchers up too, and I'll let you go real quick before we move on to catchers. Just quickly, just quickly going to play the other side of Jalen Hurts. You got to check out his numbers compared to Josh Allen when they both first started their careers. Oh, God. Just okay. saying. Move on. Move, please move on. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting. I want to back up Jalen Hurts a little bit. It is. You'll see something. Yeah, and he'll be backing up somebody very soon too. Uh, <laughs> on to catchers. We These are two guys that could, you know, potentially – Get into the mix here right away. Uh, I think Kiebert Ruiz is going to be up from day one, right? He was already up last year and, and swung it pretty well. Adley Rutschman, another switch inning catcher that if he's not up day one, will be up day whatever the service time manipulation date cutoff is. Both those guys are going to get a lot of a lot of work this year. Uh, I'll start with you, Peter. You guys, that's probably one of the hardest parts that goes into to ranking fantasy is the rookies trying to figure out if they're going to play, how much they're going to play, and then. Then you have to figure out if they're going to translate. We've seen a little bit more of Kiebert. Adley's going to be up there. Uh, who do you have more confidence in now that Kiebert's already gotten a taste? Uh, and Adley, we're assuming he'll be up there for opening day. But at the end of the day, it's the Orioles and we have no idea. That's why we're talking to your prospect guru ass, because we don't know. <laughs> that's like, that's the point. It's like we're trying to predict because if we're talking talent. Adley mm-hmm. is. I mean. Like one of the best. Yeah. But Colby, Colby's when you push him back, you think Adley's not that good. At, he's not that talented. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, I, just, I love that you just loaded that question so hard at him. <laughs> because he's like, when I'm saying Adley's talented, I'm like, what is he not? Uh, I, yeah, he, I think, I think he said, I think Colby thinks Adley sucks. <laughs> no, I, I, I just think that we've, we've kind of, uh, maybe forgotten how good Kyber Ruiz is. Like, I think at, at the plate, Kyber Ruiz can really, really swing it. And the nationals have every incentive to give him, you know, 450 to 500 plate appearances next That's year. And he's probably going to, I mean, where's he going to hit in that lineup, man? He's probably going to hit four or five. Like he, Fifth, probably right? five <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you think about that, I mean, the upside for him is, is 20 home runs, 70 to 80 RBIs. And, you know, he doesn't strike out a lot. This is a guy that's, for his career striking out in the low teens, which usually signals a, a higher batting average. Um, so I can see him at 270, 280, 20 bombs, 80 RBIs. That is uber valuable at catcher. Uber valuable. That, and it's incredibly valuable. And I wasn't even saying that I would rank Adley above Ruiz. I was just saying in terms of talent, like that's what we're trying to figure out when a guy like Adley Rushman will get called up because will Adley start on the opening day roster? He should, he should start Arum, but will he start? That's the problem. We have both ranked within our top 10, but Adley, if he plays the entire season, Colby, we got to consider him probably closer to the top five, but if, but we don't know if he's going to play the full season. So like, will he get that many only, my only reservation with, with putting a guy like Adley in the top five, even if he's going to start opening day is that we have not seen him hit major league pitching, right? We know he's, he's the top three prospect, but regardless, even like Bobby Witt or Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kellenick came up last year and struggled for 200 plate appearances, right? These guys can struggle when they come up to the bigs. It doesn't mean that they're not going to become, 
you know, all-stars the next season and beyond, but in their first season and their first taste, there can be, you know, a big shock to them. And I want to hear arms kind of take on that and how he thinks Adley is going to make the leap from AAA to the bigs next season. And if he's going to struggle or if he's going to, you know, it's going to be seamless. Well, I'll, I'll throw a question back to you to be able to properly answer this is, you know, one of the most stark differences between Kiebert and Adley is that Kiebert never walks and Adley walks a lot. How much does that matter in the fantasy picture of, of how many free passes you get? Not at all, because on, unless you play in an on-base percentage league, it's all average, right? So a 240 uh, batting average, but a, with a 360 on-base percentage is, doesn't mean anything. Wow. We'd rather have the 270 average with a 340 on-base percentage, you know? So here, here's my thing. I, I look at the Orioles. That lineup is actually like not bad, right? Like the not Orioles, bad. their big problem is they're pitching, right? We, we know that. Peter Peter takes over every time the Orioles step on the field. Fade. Uh, <laughs> fade them every time. But I mean, like the lineup's going to have Mullins, Mountcastle, Santander, Mancini, Hayes, Rufnet Odor, Yankees legend. Um, but like I look at the Orioles, there's no way they're starting Jacob Nottingham out there, right? Like that, they can't be doing that. Uh, so I, I figure Adley's going to be in the middle of that lineup and, and have a chance to, to drive in a lot of runs. But I think it's very possible that we might see some growing pains. To to Colby's point, Kiebert already showed that he can hit for some average at the big league level already. I just don't know how much of his power he's going to get into. Adley's going to he's going to get his, even if he's struggling average wise, even if he's 230, 240, he's going to get his. He's going to hit some home runs and he's going to walk. That's why I asked that question. So it really comes down to this, I, I guess, between you two guys. If if it comes down to Adley's hitting some more home runs, but Ruiz is hitting for a higher average, what do you what do you prioritize here, Pete? Skipper's still going to hit homers. Yeah. It's all about it's it's not that I value one over the other in some in some crazy way. It's more just who's gonna get more playing time. Like when is Adley gonna get called up? If Adley and Kiebert have the same amount of plate appearances, I'm drafting Adley Rutschman over Kiebert Ruiz. Like I just believe in the bat more, even though Kiebert saw um MLB pitching already and Adley hasn't. Adley is a better hitter. Like he's just yeah. straight up, he's a better hitter. Um, I don't know. I know some projection systems have him at 240. Like, what's to stop him from hitting something like 260? You know, I think if he could hit 260 and Keeper's at 270 and Adley has 10 more home runs and more RBIs. Seems that's, clear. that's the struggle is like there's going to be days where that, that Nationals lineup gets shut the hell down. Yeah. Like they just walk they might Soto four times. Josh Bell strikes out four times. And that's it. Yeah, I would play like, in super tough pitching divisions too. I mean, exactly. You know, NL East, AL East is just bloodbath. It really is. But I'd rather be in the AL East if we're talking pitching, probably because I think the NL East pitching is, is a little bit better. And hitting environments too, right? You're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I know they moved the walls back in Baltimore, but it's still going to be hit. It's still going to be hitter friendly. Fenway is one of the most moved. hitter friendly parks. Yankee Stadium, yeah. short porch. Um, yeah, left field. Uh, yeah. You know, like the, I. I I think Kiebert's going to get more ABs because I don't know if Adley's going to be up there from day one, but the second that they say Adley's going to crack the opening day roster, I, I, I'm going to lean Adley. It's a little bit Kiebert's safer. Adley's upside is just too ridiculous. Uh, I want to have the catcher that could literally be one of the best offensive catchers in baseball quickly, like right away. But it's such a, so a starting position. If, if Kiebert gets a hundred more plate appearances, like I want Kiebert. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would say, I think we all agree, base it on on what the latest is 
on uh, on Adley. And it, it would be a joke if he's not up at the big league level and they're rolling Jacob Nottingham out there on opening day. I mean, that, that, that would just be insane. But we have some other similar questions with <laughs> other rookies. And I know what Peter's answer is going to be on this one, um, but more specifically as to just where they should be drafted. Two guys that, you know, I, again, two guys that should be up opening day, right? I mean, Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez should be up at the big league level day one. I think Witt will uh, just because of how, how much of, of a face he is already for that franchise. I'd argue at, uh, Julio is already close to that, but they can justify it a bit more with the Mariners just because that team is so loaded all around. Bobby Witt, they were talking about it last year, potentially, you know, like he might get up there and he didn't, uh, but it's harder to justify not having him up. Both those guys will be up pretty early. Both have crazy potential. I know what Pete's answer is going to be. So we'll start with Colby and then, and then we'll get to, to Pete's thoughts uh, and reaction to what you think. Who are you leaning on first here? If you have a chance at either of these rookies, Colby, and uh, where do you think they should be selected? <laughs> so th- this is wild. Um, so if you look at the, the ADP right now, Bobby Witt Jr.'s ADP is 90. It is 90. He's a top 100 pick right now. And this is above Carlos Correa. He's being taken five picks Stop. ahead of Carlos Correa. Um, so guys believe that Bobby Witt is going to come up. He's going to hit 280. He's going to hit close to 30 bombs. And I, how many bags is Bobby Witt going to steal on him? I think that that might be a 20 a, plus, 20 plus. So that, that's the game changer, right? Guys are like 20 plus bags. Oh boy. And he's probably going to hit, you know, maybe second in that lineup. I mean, like it's with Whit Merrifield, Bobby Witt, you got, you know, who else, who, who's he hitting? Where's he hitting in that lineup? Third. Uh, yeah. He could <laughs> lead off. He, he could be lead off. Yeah. I mean, the Marlins so, did it with jazz despite some swing and miss like Bobby has some swing and miss, but sometimes that lead off spot allows you to see some more, some more pitches to hit. Uh, I could see Bobby in that in that top end yep. spot, depending on what the Mondesi situation is too. So Jazz, you bring up Jazz. He's being taken like 70th overall, which is crazy. Um, but Julio Rodriguez, back to him, he's being taken 270th ADP, which is way, way behind Bobby Witt. Wow. And this is around guys like Tommy Pham, like not a lot of upside back there. Max Kepler, like th- those types, right? So I would much rather have a guy like Julio Rodriguez who could come up and realistically hit close to 300 and you know, he, he has a shot at 30 home runs, um, in a likely good Mariners lineup. Um, but it really comes down to when Julio Rodriguez comes up, I think he'll be up, you know, probably after super two, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, he's gotta be, I mean, this is a Mariners team that's trying to win, right. They're trying to win. And I think bringing Julio up is going to do that. But Peter, let's say you picked Bobby Witt, right? Like he fell into your lap and you were happy with where you got him. And now you have a chance to get Julio later on. Are, are you going to, Mr. I'm going to roll the dice. Are you going double rookie here? Like if you have Julio in a spot where you're comfortable with, I know you love him. Are you doing that? I'm licking my chops arm. <laughs> yes. But it's also when will they debut? And also, and I, this is a question for you too. If I'm not mistaken, the Royals, if we're talking service manipulation time, how they like to hold some of their rookies back <clears throat> in order to get another year from them. The Royals have been pretty good on that in recent history. They don't really care as much. They're they're. I assume they're thinking this guy helps our team now. All right, let's put him in the game because I think the Royals have an outside shot at possibly contending in this AL Central. So you got to start your best players immediately. That's why I think MJ Melendez might also start the year 
on the opening day roster because these are their guys. Like time is now. I, I agree. I, I think Bobby Witt is is a dude that's going to be up there from day one, uh, just because he's going to be that that guy under the microscope too, with all of this going on right now and all of the debate about service time manipulation. Like, there's nothing that Bobby Witt needs to do. You can't even hide behind the facade of defense because the defense is phenomenal. There's nothing that you can cite that would say Bobby Witt needs more time in the minor leagues. Julio Rodriguez, you know, the Mariners could say our outfield's crowded. We want to see a few more ABs because he's obviously younger. Uh, you could cite a few different things. With Witt, you can't even fake it. You can't even fake it. And so uh, that's why I think Witt's going to be up there right away. I do have some concerns about swing and miss early on, but he's going to run into power. He's going to steal bags. Julio, though, whenever he gets up, I think he's going to hit from day one and just roll, right? And, and that's the difference. But I think that's, I think people agree in drafts right now that we're going to see Bobby before Julio. And that's why we're seeing Julio fall because I'd argue if both of them are guaranteed from opening day going on, I know the stolen bases matter, but in terms of batting average and just consistency at the plate, give me Julio. And I think the power would be pretty close too. It's just, you're going to get the stolen bases from Bobby Witt, but I think Julio could sprinkle in a handful. I mean, he's not, he's not the slowest guy on earth. Like he will steal. He's like Aaron judge. Yeah. He, like Aaron he, judge. Cause Aaron judge has that speed can play a good defensive right field and can get you between five to 10 bags. I agree with you, Arm. I, I don't think he's just like this big lumbering guy who's going to rake. He can run a little bit too. Still 21 last year. Yeah. And well, those are legit bags too. Those are legit bags. I think he can get you 10 plus. And, and that's why I think Julio is severely underrated right now. Um, I didn't realize that that was the average draft position. So Arm, who are some other rookies that you guys are like, wait, Arm, I got a question for you. Yeah. Top 100 update is coming out soon. The top 100 MLB prospects on just baseball.com. It's a showdown. Bobby. It's a showdown between Julio and Bobby right now. Gotta be Julio. I love Bobby though. He's number two for me too. He's so good. These guys are all so good. These are like, I think Julio Adley and Bobby will all be all-stars and it's just like, which of them will be all-stars more. I I can't (laughs) think of the last time we had a trio like this. It's really awesome. And they're all going to be up next year. So it's going to be fun. The trio of Jesus Montero, Gary Sanchez, and Manny Benuelos. Remember that one? God, that sucked. Well, we have, we're doing a quick little look back right now. Clay, our our guy, Clay Snowden has been working on a really in-depth piece on like previous top 100 lists and how many guys don't pan out. (laughs) And it's going to be pretty wild to watch uh, and look at, but who else on the top 100 list? What other top prospects are you guys looking at um, to be able to break in that you think could, because I feel like that's a spot where like Colby, you can, you can steal, like you can snatch up some dudes that people might not be looking at uh, on the radar. Uh, that could debut and be pretty solid. Yep, absolutely. I think um, Josh Young is one. Um, you have Riley Green should probably come up at some point. The other one that I like is is Josh Lau for uh, the Rays. I think he could come up and and provide, you know, maybe 20. not that insane upside, but he's a very safe play. I think he could hit, you know, 280 and, and you know, drive in a decent amount of runs. Um, the last guy that I am just so high on, I am so high on this guy, probably shouldn't be as high as I am, is Alejandro Kirk. Um, to me, he's a man without a position, which makes things tough, right? And and he's a catcher, but he's probably not going to play catcher. He's a DH at the end of the day, but he mashes baseballs. He has a hard hit rate near 50%. Um, an ISO, you know, 250 could hit 25 or 30 home runs. And 
a high average because he doesn't strike out. He strikes out, you know, close to 10% of the time. So he's a guy that I love as a sleeper pick. Um, it's just whether he gets that playing time or not. And I don't know if that's going to be with the Jays because they're just so crowded. As we've talked about, he could be a trade candidate for them. Yeah. So speaking to the Jays, Peter, the, the catching position, you know, are you intimidated by the Jays catching situation? Are you looking elsewhere? What are your thoughts on the catching position position as a whole beyond the rookies we talked about? Like if you got Kirk at a, or Moreno at the right spot, would you do it? Or are you a little bit put off by, you know, just the, the uncertainty? It's like, again, fantasy, fantasy football parallel. It's like a split backfield right now. Yes. You just don't really know what's going to happen. You took the words right out of my mouth. A split <laughs> backfield, like in running backs, like there's a perfect comparison. I like I have Alejandro Kirk ranked pretty high. Um, I would take him. I do like him. Danny Jansen's also another guy who will play and then will be. I, it's it's all about what do the Blue Jays do with their catching situation, right? Because we're still on the wrong side of the lockout. Will they address it? Will they trade Alejandro Kirk? Will they trade Jansen? They're not trading Gabriel Moreno because we all expect him to be one of the next great catchers in baseball. But what do they do with it? So right now, Alejandro Kirk is a top 10 guy. Um, Danny Jansen's a top 20 guy. I would draft Kirk. I'm not really because I think they're going to get Kirk his ABs because he's just too good not to. Um, whether that be DH, whether it be catcher, maybe you give Vladdy a day off and he gets to play first. That's why I'm still confident in taking Kirk. Um, but just getting back to the prospect conversation, because Colby went over a lot of them. Um, I have a question about Bryson Stott. Is he going to be on the big league roster this year? Because he's a really talented shortstop for the Phillies. And if they're like, you know what, DD's not really our answer anymore. He could get a lot of plate appearances this year. And if he does, he could be really good. I love Stott, man. Like, I think that's one of the best dark horses in this whole picture. Um, on the big league side, in just terms of rookie of the year and on the fantasy side, I love that you bring up Stott because one, DD's, I don't think DD's the guy there, right? Two, there's not that many answers at shortstop right now, unless you want to spend, uh, which I just don't which think they the might. Phillies are going to do. They might, but they've well, got a lot of money tied up right now. And yeah. you have Bryson Stott right there who just lit up the Arizona fall league, had a great year and does everything right. Like he's 55s across the board. He's an above average hitter. He's an above average runner. He's an above average defender with average to above average power that will translate in Philadelphia. I think he's going to be the kind of guy that kind of hits the ground running and, and is pretty solid. Is he going to be a top 15 shortstop out of the gate? Probably not. Uh, but I think he's going to be a top 20. And I think he's going to be somebody that you know, you're happy to have and will sprinkle in a little bit of everything in the game. I, I'm a big fan of Stott. I, I think that's somebody that is getting overlooked a bit in terms of his ability and timeline to the bigs. I think he could be up there right away. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a guy to monitor. And if he doesn't come up right away, he's a guy, when you finish your draft, maybe you don't draft him, but you put him on your watch list right away. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And speaking of the watch list on the AL side, another shortstop too is Jeremy Pena. Uh, yeah. People might look at Pena and say, Oh, he only played 30 games in triple a might not be ready. Pena added a ton of muscle. Apparently he looks like Jason Dominguez. Like he, he, looks, he looks like yoked yo. as hell. And he's a, Gold Globe caliber defender now has a ton of power, good speed. He's going to be a really interesting guy that I think could end up starting pretty early in the season for the Astros, maybe even opening day at shortstop. Carlos uh, Correa's replacement, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Correa's replacement. That's big shoes to fill. It's big shoes to fill. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. The most difficult part might be ranking pitchers. Uh, and I'm sure you guys had a lot of hurdles in that, 
no, this is, pitcher list. This is great because Colby and I have not come together. So we've ranked all the position players, but we wanted to use this episode to throw each other what our top 10 pitchers are currently ranked right now. And they might not be that different because it is the top 10 and you can see all of these write-ups on justbaseball.com and we'll go through all the rankings on not gambling advice, the podcast, which you know what? It will be announced tomorrow. I, I just checked my phone. We're live on Apple. We're all set. It's coming out Thursday. Come on, get fired up. I'm fired up, but here are my top 10 pitchers, Colby, and I'm throwing it at you. All right. Yeah, so you, you want me to go or you, you first? I'll throw my pitchers at you and you, and then you kind of give me what you're thinking. Aram, you tell me what you're thinking as well. Number one, Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels. Number two, Garrett Cole. Number three, Corbin Burns. Number four, Walker Bueller. Number five, Zach Wheeler. Number six, Max Scherzer. Seven, Brandon Woodruff. Eight, Jacob deGrom. Number nine, Shane Bieber. And number 10, Julio Arias. Thoughts? I like it. Um, I think the Shohei, he is not a top 10 fantasy pitcher if he's not linked to his bat. I think that's that's one oh, like, true, caveat true. there. I, I thought it was um, that, that linked to so maybe his give, bat. Give, us, was, give us one more. Give us your, your guy after perfect. your readings. Perfect. So 11 is Logan Webb. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So, I, so I, don't have, uh, yeah. I don't have many qualms here. I think, I don't, I think we have the same names because I'll, I'll go. So one, Corbin Burns. Two, Garrett Cole. Wow. Three, Max Scherzer. Four, Zach Wheeler. Five, Walker Bueller. Six, Jacob deGrom. Seven, Shane Bieber. Um, eight, Brandon Woodruff. Nine, Julio Urias. And then 10, I have Freddie Peralta, but with Logan Webb right after Peralta. So pretty similar there, man. <laughs> so, well, first off, I got Garrett Cole as my best pitcher. You have Corbin Burns. <sighs> Like the whole, it's like the uh, Cy Young debate all over again. Right. And I just think it's so close because with Garrett Cole, what I think I'm going to get is more innings. Yeah, I'm probably going to going to get a total number of strikeouts. I would say the Yankees are a better. I know it's so hard to project wins, but if it's that close, I have a guy on the Yankees versus a guy on the Brewers. More likely than not, the guy, the Yankee will get more wins. Garrett Cole had more wins than him last year. But Corbin Burns is fucking disgusting. Dude, and I think as an actual pitcher, he is better. Dude. But I think if we're talking <laughs> fantasy, I think Garrett Cole's number one. I mean, even from a fantasy perspective, even if Garrett Cole throws, you know, maybe he throws 20 more innings. And I don't even think that's a guarantee. Um, Corbin Burns had a fit below two last year. Yeah, Garrett Cole did not have a fit below two. He had a fit over three. So it, Corbin Burns was the best pitcher the on best. the planet. And <laughs> And had one of the best pitching seasons I've ever seen. Um, I think the interesting conversation here is how do you go about ranking Jacob deGrom and how do you go about ranking Shane Bieber? Because they're both coming into the season with heavy injury risk. deGrom right now is, is slotted into kind of that like 20 to 25 ADP. Um, that's a second or third round pick that you're risking on a guy that Yes, when he's on the mound is is easily the number one ranked pitcher. But do you trust his elbow next year? I personally do not. And I'll be staying far, far away from Jacob DeGrom, even if he falls into my lap in that third round, just because I need that guaranteed results. See, that's the thing. That's also the thing with me, you know, swinging for the fences. DeGrom is not a guy that I want because I'd, I'd rather swing for the fences with a Tatis with a Mike Trout and then get I, what I know is going to be a solid pitcher. 
And Garrett Cole, I know, will be a solid pitcher. I'm not going to be able to get him in the second round or the third round, but guys like that. For example, we're talking second or third round, third round dudes who I know are going to shove. Like, I know Brandon Woodruff is going to shove next year. I know it. You, you know, there's Max Scherzer. He's 37 years old. Wheeler had the best year of his career. Will he immediately, you know, return and do the exact thing? I think he will. But I, what I know is Brandon Woodruff is going to be really solid. I know Walker Bueller is going to be really solid. I know Julio Arias is going to be really solid. Those are the guys I'm targeting as the pitcher coming around the backside. Yeah. If I get Tatis and I go someone kind of crazy for my first overall pick. Yeah, my, my strategy has always been get safe pitchers at the not safe pitchers, but like guys, you know, will produce. And then the, the pitcher class this year is just loaded with talent, even past the top 50. But like, you know, you're looking at guys. I have Shane Boz ranked here. Forty one Ranger Suarez, 42 Fran Bervaldez, 43. And even like Nathan Eovaldi at 36. Like these are all guys that, you know, Nathan Eovaldi was in my top 20 pitchers rankings list just for real life. And he's in a top near top 40 in fantasy. Like if you can get that guy past 200 ADP, that's it's crazy. So yeah, get save your, your dart throws for pitchers in the late, late rounds. Cause there's so much depth. And my, my little Homer plug here too, though, like a uh, Sandy Alcantara, who is, is walking dur walking picture of durability, right? Like that, that's the, the safer type of pick there. But at the same time, you also know that he's probably not going to be a, I don't know if he's ever going to be that like Cy Young candidate, right? Is like he also he, ever going to get above 10 wins? No, hell no. <laughs> That's the thing I was hell like, no. Yeah. I mean uh, that like Sandy Alcantara had nine wins last year. Garrett Cole had 16. It's just where like, do you, where do you have Sandy ranked? I'm just curious. I have Sandy ranked 12. So I still, I love Same. Sandy. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Sandy. No, I, I, I and the I think Sandy is what, that's the only thing that I could take away from Sandy yeah. where I don't know how many games he's actually going to win, but that doesn't actually matter in real baseball, but it does in fantasy. They're going to be better this year. I, like I joke, hell no, like he'll win more than 10 games. I would hope, you know, like the team is better. They, they finally have a better catcher too, which I'm really excited to see, like going from Alfaro to Stallings should be really interesting to see how that helps Trevor Rogers and how that helps some of the other guys in the staff. Um, but, but that's another thing too, that I'm excited to kind of see is, is some of the players that have moved to locations. We talk about like Eduardo Rodriguez going from Fenway now to Detroit, like you can take advantage of those environments, those new environments. And I think that's something that people can really expect with your guys' rankings is that you guys take everything into account, every single thing possible. Colby will do it from the analytics side. Split Scott over here will do it um, from every single potential possible split you can imagine. I'm trying to find um, it up here. <laughs> I'm trying to find it up here. I got the numbers. We're trying to find it up here. That's what takes you from good to great. Brain. <laughs> so Split let's wrap God. up. Let's wrap up with. Well, wait, before we wrap up, I, we got to ask you, Corbin Burns or, or Garrett Cole? Oh, God, I thought I was going to get away with it. Hell no. <laughs> Um, I do have concern that I, I don't know if Corbin Burns is ever going to be a guy that they try to stretch out that much. Like, I, I think the innings are, are going to be in favor of Garrett Cole, but Burns was so freaking dominant and the Brewers got better offensively. So I think they're going to be a little bit better in the run, run support department. I'm going to lean Burns, but I actually think Cole is going to come back and be better next year. I, like, I, I think, I think he's reassessed everything. We, we know he was pretty dependent on the sticky stuff. He's great without the sticky stuff. But again, the guys that had to like adjust on a fly during the season, it was a little bit different for, I guarantee Cole's going to come back and, and look a lot like, like he did uh, during the great stretches last year. He, he showed that they can throw without it. And, and I know he's going to be just fine. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing him. And 
I'm still, I'm, I'm going to still lean though. Uh, I'm leaning my guy, Corbin Burns. If we're talking better pitchers, Corbin Burns is the better pitcher. I just think when we're talking fantasy categories, Garrett Cole might have the edge. And I know what I'm going to get from Garrett Cole. Like we've had a great 2020 and a great 2021. We're expecting a phenomenal 2022. But Garrett Cole has just turned on season after season of, of elite quality. That's a guy who I know is just going to be so solid. But you can go either way. What about DeGrom? You touching DeGrom this year? Um, So really weird to interrupt. Like part of the episode, like keep this in here. I just saw a notification of like a call on my phone and it was from New York and the name, it just, you know, sometimes it'll show you the name. Yeah. It just says Joseph Gallo. <laughs> so I'm going to check that out after the call. There's no way it's Joey Gallo, but it might, it might yeah, be Joseph. Just, it's going to end up, I'm going to call somebody, your extended warranty. Yeah. <laughs> All right. got excited. I thought Joey Gallo was calling me. Um, DeGrom freaks me the hell out, man. Yeah. Freaks me the hell out and it's sad because like i want to have Degrom on my team and i want to watch Degrom pitch and be like yeah he's on my fantasy team but like dude it just seemed like when it like his whole body was falling apart like it seemed like when he would try to come back from something else other part of his body would take over and then that would get hurt and i'm not i'm not reaching for Degrom if he falls into my lap i'm taking him but to colby's point and to your point pitching is so loaded this year there's so many good arms that like, wouldn't you rather have a surefire top 20 guy than maybe the top three guy, but also could not pitch. You know, I, I just think in that instance with pitchers, I, I like your philosophy, Pete. I think I'm somewhere between both of you guys in terms of, you know, risk tolerance, but when it comes to pitchers, there's so many damn good ones. I don't see the reason to, to take those flyers, but I have I have a hypothetical for both of you because then the the conversation about being risk averse, like in what round it takes another turn. So for example, let's say you went Mookie Betts in your first round, you know what I'm saying? Or not Mookie Betts. Let's say you went Jose Ramirez in the first round. Then you went Mookie Betts in the second round. Two dudes who we know what they're going to do. Yeah. They're, they're like, gonna be those stuck. are two of the safest, safest options in fantasy baseball. Unless the pollen is too bad in LA. Yeah. Well, the pollen, the pollen can be, can be disgusting, but let's say, and let's say in the third round, you grab medals. I don't know, just someone random. And Jacob DeGrom is available in the fourth round. That's the thing. That's where it starts to get dicey because you know, I know what I'm going to get from J-Ram. I know what I'm going to get from Mookie. And let's say you get Matt Olsen. Like we all pretty much know. Let's say you get Freddie Freeman. Then it's like, wait, DeGrom could win you your league if he's healthy all year. No, it's a great point. I think if I'm in a spot where there's no aces left on the board and I haven't taken an ace yet, I think you got to take DeGrom because that's a guy that could give you that, that ace upside. DeGrom so, or Bieber. Oh, you say DeGrom, Colby. I don't know. It's, t- it, that's, yeah. that's tough. <laughs> uh, my, my only reservation with, I mean, with Bieber, right. It's a shoulder is shout out to Shane Bieber, by the way, because he helped my friend uh, ask me to be his best man. That was but, sick. But Shane Bieber um, was down to 90 miles an hour in Velo at the end of last year when he came back after being off for two to three months. And that that's scary that maybe there's something structurally wrong there, but you Shoulders. just never know. I'm staying away from both. Yeah. If I'm picking one, I'm going to Grom just because to Grom when he's on, you know, also, going well, he's the freak show. It looks sexier on your team too. Like, yeah, you yeah, exactly. You can flex it. Really <laughs> just just, just throw him. 96 instead, bro. Like relax and just throw 96. Oh, like, like 
And, and that chill. would be like a six mile an hour drop off. <laughs> like, I know. It was order two. Just like relax and throw 96 to 98 and just like Coast. yawn mid, mid, mid wind up. Shane uh, Boz, take a page out of his. Just uh, throw a fat chop in your lip and just start <laughs> spinning on the mound and use no effort and throw 98. I mean, I bet Shane Boz was had no chop in and was going full effort. He might be 102, but he's going to be elite at 98. It's going to be PDs soon, I think. That was a complete, like, had no numbers. Just, it was, that was mostly a tobacco thing. The, the splits with, with chop. With chop. <laughs> so, no better way to end it than sleepers. And I know both of you guys got some. Let's start with Colby. What are your sleepers for this fantasy draft in this upcoming season? Who do you think could be a up and coming guy that will really help some people listening, you know, steal that, steal that win in their league. So one guy that I've been in love with, I know you're in love with him as well. And it's Brandon Marsh of the angels. He's an outfielder. Um, He's, he hit the crap out of the ball at the end of last year Uh, from August 12th on, he had a 57% hard hit rate. And his issue is one, his approach is not the sexiest. He strikes out, he struck out over 30%. He only walked 5%, but again, walks don't matter in terms of fantasy here. Um, He also hits a ton of ground balls. So he's a guy that hits, you know, around 50% ground balls. So that hard hit, you know, that that hard contact is all on the ground, which isn't the most helpful. Um, But I think Brandon Marsh is the guy that he's being taken 370th right now so you're getting him way way late like realistically this is a guy you're taking with like one of your last picks in the draft and i don't think you can find upside like this anywhere else and he has some speed too i think he could sprinkle in you know eight to 15 bags depending on his playing time um and if the angels have some injuries then he could slide into the top of that lineup somewhere you know and and um score a lot of runs you're not going to find upside like this you know at the end of the draft like the this is huge. Um, the other guy that I really like, this is a more of a bounce back guy that, you know, is being taken as a top 200 guy right now, but I love him is Lord Escurriel. Um, really struggled at the beginning of last year. I think he had like a 60 or 70 WRC plus over like the first few months. Um, and just looked like a shell of himself. And then second half, he just came alive and he was near, you know, 130 WRC plus, um, hit close to 300 and, He's a guy this year that I could see hitting 30 home runs and he's in a stacked Jays lineup. Even if you're hitting, you know, sixth, seventh or eighth in a Jays lineup, I don't think it matters because there's always going to be someone on base in front of you, no matter where you hit in that lineup. Um, so I really like Lord Escurial. Peter, who we got? My sleeper is, well, I didn't think that this guy would be a sleeper, but when I looked at the ADP, I was like, why is he getting drafted so low? Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros is getting drafted at the end of the draft. I think he could be a top 30 pitcher next year. This is a guy who had a, he had a three, four, eight ERA last year. He struck out 167 guys in 155 innings. And this was his first full season. If we're talking wins, he's on the Houston Astros. They're going to win plenty. He's striking out a bunch of guys. He's going to keep the walks down. He's going to keep the ERA down. He's just a really solid pitcher. I just don't know why he's getting drafted way late. Like in the Peter, I have him at 150 ADP. I, I checked I checked this um NBC thing and it said he's being drafted in the 400. Oh, screw NBC. Well, let's say Sorry, let's NBC. say he's even at 200. Like I still yeah. think that's I just think Luis Garcia 
could be drafted with, you know, between the top 20 to top 30 pitchers. And there's just no shot. He's going in that range. Right. I agree. I've seen, I've seen just, just the overall, even transcending fantasy, the overall, I guess, just, opinion on Garcia is not negative by any stretch, but I think people no are really forgetting, yeah. really forgetting what he did in the postseason. Like you just laid out his numbers. He was great in the regular season. One of the best rookie pitchers last year. And he took his game to another level in the postseason. His VLO went up, his stuff yep. ticked up. Everything was up and, and legit looked like a, a number two type starter. I, I like Garcia a lot. I think that's a great pick Peter. And he's coming off of some of his best baseball in the postseason on the biggest stage. And guess what? This is going to be a rotation that's going to lean on him very heavy. Yes, you have Verlander coming back, but Garcia's probably the next best arm in that rotation for them in terms of youth and projectability. I like him more than Framber. I like him more than some of the other guys they have in that rotation. So who's who's your number two here? So Colby actually took my number two. Lourdes Gurriel was also mine. I, I, I'm expecting a big year out of the Blue Jays um, and expecting a big year out of him. You know what? I'm going to throw kind of a shot in the dark. Someone who's not really getting drafted high at all. I think Seiya Suzuki is going to have a good year. I really do. His statistics in Japan were unbelievable. This guy's putting up 200 WRC plus seasons over there and he's going to come over. He's not going to get drafted very high. I still think that he's going to be solid across the board. I think he's going to hit some home runs. I think he's going to run the bases. He ran him over in Japan. I think he can be a guy who hits for at least a decently high average. And he's just going so far down in drafts, like near Robbie Grossman and Kirloff. Like I think Seiya Suzuki could be a star. That's more of a could be a really good pick or a not very good pick. So that's why late in draft could be a guy who could help you win your league. Another guy really interested to see where he lands, you know, and how that can impact things. If he's in Seattle, I'm like, eh, which I, I, we don't think is going to happen. But if he's going somewhere, you know, like Boston, yeah, <laughs> he's playing pepper with that green monster. So you know, I, I am very interested to see where he lands and that could, that could change. But he's another guy that, you know, you could, you could really steal. Uh, what about, is he not even a sleeper enough? What about your boy, Cal Quantrill? Oh, well, I love Cal Quantrill. I, I just, he, but he's getting drafted fine. Um, I, I didn't really see him as a sleeper when I was looking at ADP. He was kind of drafted around where I thought he was just so good last year. I think he'll be solid this year. I don't know how many wins he's going to get. He's not a guy who strikes out a lot of guys either. Um, so if we're talking fantasy, Quantrill's not the best option. But if we're talking just a guy on the mound who gets outs, I love him. Yeah, he gets out. He, he gets out. Really good. Got better and better as the year went on. And I mean, you got to believe it. I'm always going to buy a performance a little bit more when it's a Cleveland pitcher that's doing it. Absolutely. Or, you know, great it, point. it depends on the org, but you buy it a bit more. So this is a nice little look into what you guys are going to be doing on Not Gambling Advice. Of course, it's going to be a lot of, of betting picks, some bad beats, some fun stuff like that, but a lot of fantasy talk as well, which I'm really excited about because you know, we're really focused on ramping up our fantasy coverage on the website, on social, on the podcast. And this is going to be kind of the home base for that uh, and the baseline of where people can, can get all of that information. Uh, just to wrap up here, Peter, tell a little bit about what you're excited for with the podcast and what people can kind of expect uh, from not gambling advice uh, moving forward as the episode might even be live by the time uh, people are listening to this. 
Well, the episode definitely will be live. Episode one will be a Super Bowl preview here. Colby and I go through all the Super Bowl props, you know, the spread, the over under everything for Rams versus Bengals, but what you can expect. So leading up to the regular season, we're going to be going over a ton of futures bets. We're going to be going over, you know, rookie of the year, MVP, all that kind of stuff, as well as getting you prepared for your league. We'll be coming out with all of the rankings. We'll do that all over the podcast, as well as write them up on justbaseball.com as well. And then during the season, it's going to be a lot of streaming. Like who should you pick up for pitchers this week? Like where are the good matchups? And then based on a lot of those matchups, we can look at series and say, oh, the Astros are playing the A's this week and the Astros have won six straight. Their series price is minus 130. That's a great series. And we'll pick specific games that we want to bet as well. And that will be giving it to you live three days a week. Not gambling advice, the podcast. Colby, I'm fucking excited. You excited? I'm amped, man. I'm so excited. I'm just really excited to get the baseball season underway at some point. Like, yeah, so are the owners. It's just so fun talking about like the lead up to it, but it's, I want to watch. <laughs> I want to watch. So and I got my not gambling do. advice shirt on. Look at that. Yeah. We can on do YouTube. that. Come on now, get your not gambling advice t-shirt, all the other just baseball merch in the link of this episode description as well. Come on, support the boys. Looks good. It looks good. Well, I can't wait to tune into the episode guys. Glad that I was able to almost get a little bit of a sample of what's to come and you got no better place to go than just baseball for all of your fantasy needs. And I'll, I'll hopefully be tapping in and, and checking in from time to time for the dynasty stuff uh, and, and be talking some dynasty baseball as well. Cause I know we've got some people that really enjoy that side of things too. And that'll be fun to cover. Uh, Colby, you got a, a one, yeah, one more uh, thing. I think we're going to be launching on TikTok, uh, not gambling advice. So go follow there. Cause we're going to be posting all of our clips and probably some picks there, maybe some props and clips there. So go follow not gambling advice and, there. and bad beats. I, I'm just going to keep bringing up bad beats. Cause I think those are so funny. Oh, I'm so. going to be Colby and I will be betting every single day of the MLB regular season on TikTok. I will be sharing those on the podcast as well. There was a lot of bad beats that I endured last year, and you will be hearing about them all season long. Will it get annoying? Possibly, because I do tend to lose. But we win more often than we lose. We were up 15.67 units at the end of the MLB regular season. I'm very proud of that. I think if you ask Peter what his favorite number is, he'd say 15.67. 15.67. You know what I love? I love plus. That's all. Plus. I love plus. I, like and then plus anything, I love plus and then anything else. <laughs> well, that's it, Peter. You got the sign off. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.